0: What's happening everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony Sanfilippos here. I'm Bob Wankel. And we are recording our first podcast since we saw the main storyline of spring training, that being Andrew Painter. Take the mound on Wednesday. We got to look at him. We see now what it looks like with the Phillies uniform on. Uh, pitched two innings against the Minnesota Twins. And you know what? I just want to put out there right away. We're going to be a little bit quicker today. We got some things going on. I know that we always say this, and we end up recording for about an hour or so. But we do <laughs> about a, about a thirty minute hard stop in this podcast, and that's okay, Anthony. Because I don't know about you, but on March third, as we sit here and talk, this is, I believe, the sixth or seventh podcast we've done since we've come back, and I need something here. Like you know, it's like for it's sure, like, it's a long way to go before opening day. Hey. But- Taiwan Walker. We're going to see Reese Hoskins later today, but man,
1: like, yeah, no, and, and and not only that, not only that. If we be if we want to be totally transparent, I'm still doing hockey stuff, and today yeah. is the NHL trade deadline, so yeah, I'm a little tied up with that today too. So, so we got to keep it short.
0: for watching this on YouTube, and you see Anthony looking down at his phone every thirty seconds. <laughs> you know,
1: now you know why. Now you know why.
0: I don't think he's generally going to be that bored by my opinions, but uh maybe. <laughs> Just you a good disclaimer there to know that he's looking down at the phone and seeing what's going on with the Flyers. So, oh, boy. So, talk about being on the opposite end of the spectrum right now with this Phillies team. And, you know, listen, we said uh, coming into this spring that the storyline is obviously what happens with the the fifth starter. Uh, What are they going to do with that spot? You know, I guess my expectation coming in is that they were going to go to Painter if he showed that he was worthy of the spot. I think that we're still so far away from truly knowing, you know, is he ready for this? Can he consistently string together the quality appearances and hit the ground running? Because I think that's what the Phillies want. You know, it's not like, let's go through a bunch of growing pains with Andrew Painter in April. But if he shows himself to be worthy of the spot, he probably gets it. My question to you would... Well, go ahead.
1: No, 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 no. And, And no, go ahead. Ask the question, because I think that we're probably going to be on the same page here. Go ahead.
0: You know, my question is: we we've seen now pretty much everybody that that could potentially take hold of this spot, whether it be Bailey Falter, Nick Nelson, or Plasmeyer, or whoever else. Do you really think, at the end of the day, any of these guys are are going to? Certainly, they don't present the
1: upside that Painter does. But like, do any of these guys really excite you? I, I look. I think that there's something with Bailey Falter. I th- you know. The- They've had, had him hang around for a bit now. I mean, obviously, he pitched well down the stretch for them last year, right? I, I still think that there's legit value there. I think that, that, you know, I'm not thinking he's going to ever become anywhere near a top-of-the-rotation kind of guy. Um, but at the same time, I do think that he's, you know, he, you know, when you watch him pitch, Bob, he's, he's, his, his delivery is so incredible. Like, he's so close to the plate when he lets go of the ball. He's one of those guys who's got that real long stride, and so being a left-handed pitcher like that can be an, a real advantage once he once he figures out some things. Um, I, I just like I just like his his approach. Um, I I don't necessarily think he's going to be a superstar by any stretch of the imagination, but do I think Bailey Falter can be a guy who you can rely on either in the back end of your rotation or out of the bullpen? Uh, yeah, I do, I, and I think that he's a guy that can be on a. a, a a championship contending team
0: i think that part of my reasoning for maybe it's because it's so early in march and it's it's so early on to really say like hey this guy's won the spot or he's owed this spot it's just that i know that that both players are going to factor into this picture it's not like a one or the other proposition it's not like oh well if Andrew painter wins it we'll never hear from bailey poulter again right so that's why i'm kind of like I don't know. To what extent does this truly matter? I think that we all know that Andrew Painter is going to be up at some point, probably early on, whether it's that first week and he's pitching in New York or it's it's the first week of May. Like, so I think because of that, I don't, I I don't necessarily look at this with maybe the same interest that that you know you would be looking at a a normal battle for a job or a spot. But that being said, I mean, listen. We both watched it. I appreciate the the MLB TV login, by the way.
1: Yeah, you got it. No problem.
0: (laughs) Texted you, I said, come on with this. Like, I'm not paying for MLB TV today. Go to half the games. Like, I don't need this. Anthony came up big for me. But, you know, we both watched the, the, we'll call it the start. And, I mean, listen, you, you see what it's all about, right? It hits 99. He's throwing strikes. 18 of his 29 pitches were for strikes. Uh, did not mix in the curveball at all. It was all first pitch fastballs. They were obviously trying to get him comfortable, trying to establish himself here early in the spring. So I wouldn't really get too crazy about the results, which were fine. One run over two innings, gave up a couple hits in that that second inning. And uh what I guess Correa had a, a broken bat single in the first or,
1: you know, it was, an, it was an infield. It was an infield hit, yeah.
0: But the thing I guess was more interesting than, hey, we know he throws hard and we know that he has poise and composure. We've heard all of that. The thing I guess that was most interesting to me was after the game, you know, obviously the reporters go over and they talk to Carlos Correa, who knows a thing or two, uh, about playing an elite level. And he comes out and says, yeah, I think this kid's going to be a star. Now, I don't know if he was just throwing a throwing him a bone, you know, throwing him a, hey, yeah, nice job, kid, and why not? I'll give you, I'll say something nice about you, give you some confidence. But I mean, I I don't know. I don't think that Carlos Correa would just kind of go right to hyperbole just for the sake of it. I, right. My yeah, phrase,
1: man. Right. Yeah, no, it's good. It, it's really good. And and like you said, I mean, there was there wasn't a lot of pitching going on. It was just more of, hey, let's get you out there, you know, sh- show off that face fastball that everybody talks about, you know, face some um, legit major league hitters and see how you do and just kind of, you know, take it from there. Like, I don't I don't think that they they are results oriented yet, of course, with with first starts. And, um, you know, we had a couple other guys that you know, we were talking about briefly via text that are you know I- I- interesting uh, candidates or interesting prospects from the mound who didn't look good um, against Boston yesterday. Like Griff McGarry didn't look great, and, and um, Andrew Baker had a meltdown inning. He couldn't find the strike, fi- you know find the strike zone. But again, I think that those are things that you know you're working out. You're trying to figure out what what these guys are, and 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 I'm I'm not certain that r- the results matter so much. Um, but I, what I think is in and- that's important from a Philly's perspective, really not so much from us for our perspective, watching them and, and documenting them, is when you have a competition like this, obviously like you said, it, it's, it's, it's gonna be Painter's job in the long run. Falter is gonna be part of this in in, in a, probably in a bigger way than, um, than maybe anybody even realizes. But I think from a Philly's perspective, creating this competition in spring training, even though they know that multiple guys are gonna be used, is important to see how these guys respond to the notion of you're in a in a in a challenge you know in a, in a in a race for the job right i mean and i think really they want to see he talked about that he's like yeah. this
0: nothing new to me i've done this three straight years now you know yeah. and he knows this time he can actually win the spot whereas he's always been that that sixth or right. seventh wide rotational depth yeah. so it is a little different but it's not entirely different for him
1: right no no but i'm, I'm saying it's it's more about you know they're watching these guys how they're handling themselves how are they ha- how are they handling their outings how are they handling their bullpen sessions how are they you know are they nervous as, that's hell because they think they're going to lose the job kind of thing like they, these are the things that they're looking for that we're not seeing on television so um yeah i think that that like for the phillies that's why it's it's important but for us you're right there's you know, we're watching from afar going yeah these guys are going to be involved it doesn't really matter but it matters to the phillies do you
0: think that, that McGarry's really actually in this mix? Like I almost have a thought no. here that I uh, I don't either. Yeah. No. I mean, my, my thought is that almost including him in this mix is to sort of elevate his, his stature within the organization, maybe outside
1: the organization. Yeah. His profile. Right. Yeah,
0: like, I'm not sitting here telling you that the Phillies are going to be actively shopping him come, come late July or anything like that. But like, maybe they are. I, I just think it's more, more of like a, let's get him on. Let's get him on the radar. Like let's, putting him on the spot sort of kind of lends itself to what you were just talking about. Like let's put some pressure on you. Let's let's make you part of the mix and see how you respond to it. But uh, to me, there's nothing that he can do this spring. That's going to win him this job. I just don't see that.
1: No, he's not, he's not there. I mean, he's a guy that maybe comes up during the season and they use out of the bullpen a little bit. Um, and, And just to kind of get him some, you know, some time later in the year. I do think that that's a possibility. Um, especially since he's a little bit older than than uh than the other guys. I mean, he's you know, he's already twenty three. a lot of people forget that. I mean, Painter's nineteen and uh McGable's twenty one. McGarry's already twenty three. So like he's kind of at that age where it's like, okay, we really gotta start to ramp ramp that up and see if right. you're a guy who could be there I and mean, you're not gonna keep pitching in the minors for five years, right? Um so yeah, so I do think that there's something to what you're saying, and I also think that there's you're right that if, if you're looking at the Phillies prospects and if your top three prospects are all pitchers, all starting pitchers, but you have a rotation that has Wheeler and Nola and Suarez and Painter and Taiwan Walker, um, maybe one of those guys, maybe a guy like McGarry is a guy that you can use as a as a uh, asset that could be moved right. to improve your team where you feel it needs to be improved later this year. So yes, I agree. I think that that's kind of the, what they're doing with Griff McGarry.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I pointed out a couple times on the show that you can't get all caught up in one appearance, especially this early on. And I mean, I guess in as it relates to McGarry, you kind of say, okay, that's true. He struggled with command yesterday. Really struggled with command yesterday. I, I'm not overly concerned about that. You saw the you saw the stuff, you know, but. It was a Devers, I think he got on, on strikes, and you're like, all right, wow, like look at the arm here. Then he ran into some trouble. But then you kind of correlate it back to what you saw from him last year. And as good as he was with the strikeout stuff, I mean you're talking about five and a half walks per nine in the minors last season. So to see him come out and really kind of not really have I I would say any command is, is somewhat concerning. Now, Rob Thompson talked to reporters yesterday after that appearance and said, Listen, I've watched him throw uh, bullpens. I've watched him throw live BP. He's been in the zone with all of his pitches. I'm not concerned about it. You know, again, what's he really going to say? You want to see how he responds, though. It's, it, to me, it's like, okay, again, you can't make that, that generalization or you can't make that conclusion, but you have to at least pocket it and say, like, I watched that. Now, how are you going to respond? And similarly, you go back to what we talked about last weekend with Andrew Baker, and we're all like, wow, like that was eye-opening, right? Right. Well, then you see him come back and has no command, struggles a little bit in that next appearance. And so, like, this is what I said a couple—yeah, I guess it was maybe last week, week before that. What you can do this time of year is open eyes and say, okay, there's some potential here. There's, there's a little bit of ability. There's a little bit of ceiling. But you cannot get all goofy about the results— When you know, like, it is about consistency. Can you do it two, three, four, five times together? And, you know, it's early on right now. We're not seeing that consistency. We'll see what happens. I'm very, very curious to see Andrew Painter, not so much this next time, but when they lengthen him out a little bit, maybe start to mix a little bit more in his. You get not the next appearance, but the one after that. Like that's the one I start to key on and say, like, what do we have here? Is he ready to go? Can he help this team win immediately?
1: Yeah, I, I think his next appearance is Tuesday. Um and I'll be there. Uh against against Tampa. Um and then the one after that, I believe is the following Sunday against Toronto, if I'm if I'm mapping it out correctly. Um, and I think that's probably the one that you're that you're sitting there saying, yeah, that's the one I want to see, um, because you're going to face again you're facing you're facing Toronto, you're facing a really legit major league lineup but the Blue Jays are, are you know basically around the corner. Dunedin is the closest um, uh, spring training home of another team uh, to the Phillies in Clearwater. So when you know, sometimes when you have to travel, you don't always send like your full roster, or your best guys. Um, uh, to go play somebody else, but it, Toronto and the Phillies really have like this symbiotic relationship and have for many, many years. Where when they play each other in their other team's park, they are sending a pretty good lineup because of because of how close they are, right? So I think that that's probably the one you're looking at if he stays on the schedule that he's on. Uh, that that Toronto game on March 12th is the one that you're going to be really kind of interested to see because he's probably going to throw you know, four innings that game. If, that's probably the plan. Let's get them to throw four innings and see what happens um, against a really good lineup. So that will be the one that that I think everybody will be keeping their eyes on.
0: And that's right at the point of the calendar where I think you start looking at the results. You have to become results oriented at some, at some point. point right, yeah. If you're a, a seven-year, you know, established veteran with a great track record, no. Like, if we're, you're still hitting 112 at that point, not terribly concerned. Uh, but we were talking about young guys vying you know, for a spot. It's a competition. You know, hey, like that right around there to me, third time out. That's where you start to say, like, what are we getting from a results standpoint? Yeah. yeah. So I think that we've adequately covered what you can cover for a, a fifth starting spot um, at this point. I would not be surprised. It's just a finishing thought that that they will go to a, a six-man rotation at some point.
1: Yeah, and, and it's interesting because because Thompson was asked about this, and he was, yeah. and and he, and he did say, you know, at first probably not. Um, but he did say that there is a stretch where it could come into play, and that stretch goes April 8th through April 23rd. They don't have a day off, right? right? And that's early in the season, and you really don't want to, you know, push guys too hard that early. Um, got a little bit of travel in there, not far. I mean, Cincinnati and Chicago, the White Sox. Um, and so probably somewhere in there I wouldn't be surprised to see them go six starters. But I don't, I, I don't think there's a need for it you know, in the beginning part of the season when you have two off days in the first eight games, nine games, right? I mean, in those in there, you don't need sick. You don't even need five starters. You could probably carry an extra arm in the bullpen or an extra bat on the bench, whatever you want to do, um, and then worry about adding the extra starter, you know, sometime during that stretch where there's no days off.
0: So what I wonder is do they kind of use that as an opportunity to let Painter, um, you know, I guess – limit the workload right off the bat do they kind of bring him into the picture and this kind of goes back to what i said like does it really matter in the long run but do they kind of slot him in as the sixth guy at the start or do they use falter as that sixth guy and i think that that's really what this is all about
1: right now yeah and and it's really kind of interesting i mean like you know i've already stated on the on the pod before that i don't think painter breaks camp with them i don't know it's
0: interesting i wanted i wanted to mention that and you said that and I, i know you're still there do you find it at all like kind of, I don't know, uh, interesting? I guess, for the lack of a better word, that almost everybody you talk to is like, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it. Like, are are they signaling to to reporters down there? I mean, like, you had Jason day on, on ninety-seven-five. Come on, basically say like, yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised.
1: And Bob, maybe once I'm down there and I start talking to people, I, I, maybe my my tone on this will flip. Right? I'm I'm just I'm I'm giving an opinion from afar at this point. Um, but I, I did hear something interesting and this is what I was going to say. I, I, I did hear something interesting. Um, somebody suggested to me, well, you know, in baseball and you know that this happens, there's, there's something about, you know, letting the guy make the team. If he earned the spot in, in spring training, um, it, it's a sim more symbolic than anything else, but it it's, it really jumpstarts a player, kind of gets a player, you know, Hey, I made the team. I beat out veterans for this spot, and maybe he does get sent down again or whatever. But to send him to Texas on the roster, there's something to that, right? And so I'm thinking about. it. I'm like, maybe, maybe that is something. Maybe that's something for a 19 year old kid. Maybe that's a big boost. Yeah, do the Phillies want to say like this kid
0: is a 19 year old made the team out of spring training? Like to to see that about him like he's the one guy like we talk about how conservative the Phillies are with prospects right he's the guy that not only bucks the trend but bucks the trend to that degree I mean that would be quite an honor you know right attached to this kid
1: right And it, and like I said he doesn't even have to play he he could he could just be with the team for that first week not even see see the mound get sent down and then brought back up when they need him you know during that stretch in April and and I guess the, the the answer is yes. He made the team, even if he doesn't pitch, right? So I you're, think that that's a possibility.
0: You make that first start on the road, I guess, at New York, or would you rather see him make that first start at Citizens Bank Park? Citizen... Or does it not matter.
1: Well, I, I look. Ultimately, I don't think it really matters. But again, if you're trying to nurture a 19 year old kid, right, who you who you've been promoting the hell out of, and fans are really excited about, if you set up his first start at yes, Citizens Bank Park. Well, no, well, that's what I'm saying. You can go get them. Right, right. But, I mean, if we, when you look at who the Phillies, the, the first teams that they're playing at home, obviously the opening weekend is Cincinnati. I don't think that's it because there's an off day in there. But then you have Miami, and then you have Colorado. I mean, you got teams there that aren't look, Miami's decent, and Colorado is Colorado. They're terrible on the road. They're good at home. Um, I think one of those starts makes a lot more sense. And and you get him in front of a crowd that's excited to see him, and will support the hell out of him. And if he has a good start, they're giving him a standing ovation, and this kid's going to be like, you know, it's going to it's going to mean the world to him, right? I mean, so I I think that's probably a better plan than, than trotting him out in, a, in the in the Bronx, you know, with with the crazy Yankee fans.
0: I would say that is not an ideal scenario whatsoever. But I and as one more thought on him, I mean, the one other takeaway that I guess I came away with on on Wednesday was like. He, and you've heard people say this, he does not look like he's 19 years old. Like, he is not built like a 19-year-old. He does not look like a 19-year-old. Yeah. He certainly has a composure far beyond that of what a 19-year-old would have on the major league mound. Um. It's it's so interesting because this team is a World Series contender. This team is a, a viable postseason threat. And... Even if he isn't ready, they like they still can be. Yeah. But like it, it's not like, oh my God, the Phillies fade. At least not right now. At least not in theory coming into the season. It's not like the fate of the Phillies. This season in 2023 rests entirely on his right shoulder. Correct. I, I just look at it and it's just so, so interesting. Because if this guy can be... If he can even scratch the surface of what people think he can be and he can do it right away... I, it really, I think, just changes the whole way that people think about this team. If you go 5-6 deep in this rotation to that degree, like you, we've hinted at this. We're not making pre- predictions yet. We haven't really talked about the projections, but, man, it would be a game-changer.
1: Yeah, no, it would. It, it really would. It, it, you should be excited about Andrew Painter. The Phillies should be excited about him. The fans should be excited about him. And yes, they they should temper their expectations to say that this guy's not coming in to be like a, a savior or or to really kind of say, well, he's going to be the difference between you know getting to the World Series and actually winning it. Um, it's it's a lot to ask of a of a 19 year old kid. And even if you look back at the the starters who um, had great careers who get, did come into the league that young, those first years they were good, but they weren't you know they weren't superstar quality right off the bat. Okay. Um, that being said, I, I, I think that there's reason to, to have great excitement and, and, and look forward to this by all means, Bob. Yeah, I, I, it is, it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing. And it was funny, like we broke up our day to make sure that we were able to watch two innings of, of, of painter, Andrew painter. (laughs) Right. I was
0: on a Microsoft, uh, teams meeting. I was on a work meeting and, uh, I was like, Oh, yeah, hold on. And I turned the camera off so I could pull up MLB TV next to the, next to the screen. So I am off, I'm off my meeting, my work meeting. And then I have Andrew Painter throwing to the left of it on on my desktop. So yeah, it was, it was, you definitely broke it up for sure. (laughs) Uh, So listen, I, I guess that the other interesting bullet points before you get down there next week, we are recording this on, on Friday, very early on Friday. We have Taiwan Walker making his uh, spring debut or his Phillies debut too, I guess. And then we also have Reese Hoskins who's coming back from the meniscus cleanup. Uh, the first look that we'll get at him um, or first look we'll get of him. I, I guess like, again, I'm not really, I don't really need to see anything out of Taiwan Walker today. Like there's no result that would make me go, wow. Yeah. You know, or, or really give me significant concern. Reese Hoskins, um, are, are you confident that he will in fact be ready to go i mean it seems like the fact that he's he's getting live game action this soon only a few days later than everyone else kind of would signal to me that like yeah this isn't really a big concern um any potential lingering effects here
1: well i mean you know he did have knee surgery i mean granted it was a what well, was meniscus right so it wasn't um uh like a major reconstruction or anything like that Um, as someone who's had that surgery before, I can tell you, and I was young when I had it, so it wasn't like I'm, you know, in my forties when I had it, but, um, it, it, it's still about a month, you know, of, of before you really start to feel yourself again. Um, you know, he had the surgery earlier, he's been working out. I mean, he's beyond, he's to the point where he can play games now. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a chance that you, you look at a guy and say, could he potentially start off a little bit slower, you know, or maybe, maybe he's going to. Uh, DH a couple times more in the beginning of the season, than and, and somebody else will play some first base. Um, I think that's a I think that's a real possibility, Bob. Um, you might you might see a few games early where Reese is DHing. Maybe you put Baum at first and John yeah. Harrison plays third or Sosa plays third, whatever. I think that's something that will happen. I don't necessarily think he's going to miss any time, uh, but I do think that there's a possibility that they they take it take it slow and cautious. With Reese a little bit,
0: yeah, I don't think he's going to miss any time whatsoever. But you did get right to where I wanted to go, which is, do you think that the Phillies will maybe be a little bit more uh, rotational in how they they utilize the designated hitter this season? You know, like last year, obviously Bryce Harper put them in a spot when he came back where he had to be the DH. Understandable, but even prior to that, they were fairly. They, they were fairly rigid in how they, they deployed the DH, and Reese Hoskins wasn't really part of that mix, and I do wonder this season, Reese Hoskins being one of these guys, but I do wonder if they're going to be a little bit more diverse in how they rotate through on this.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is is that, and again, and this might lead us into, uh, I know one other small topic that we wanted to discuss yeah. today, this might lead us into Cody Clemens a little bit, so you really didn't have a great first backup first base option, right? I mean, Real Muto can play first base if you want to you know, give him, yeah, give him a break from behind the plate. Bohm can play first base. He's not great at first base either. Um, so you really didn't have a lot of first base. A Derek Hall, I guess, if he's, yeah, you know, on your team as the DH, left-handed DH to start the season, he could play first base. But none of these guys are like really good there. <laughs> and they're just, yes, they're bodies you could put at first base, but aren't anything that you're excited about. When they traded for, when they made the trade for Soto, and they got Clemens as part of the deal. Um, you know, Dombrowski had a lot of good things to say about Cody Clemens and that they really think that he's a guy that can, that can be a bench player for them. And then right after that, they went out and signed Josh Harrison and we kind of thought, okay, well that makes Clemens, you know, the quad a guy, basically minor league guy who you get called up if there's an injury to be on your bench. But now I'm starting to wonder about that, Bob. I mean, he's getting a lot of, they're getting a, a good look at him. He's playing a bunch early here. Um, he could play three infield positions. You mentioned pre- before the show. He even played a little bit of outfield last year uh, for Detroit. Um, and you know, his, they bring his dad in to talk to the team. Um, you know, he hits a home run, like nice, like, a yeah, nice uh, home run in the game was yesterday against Boston. Um, so like, there's there, there's a lot of Cody Clemens kind of stuff. And uh, the last time I had this feeling, if you remember, a few years back, the way they were playing Phil Goslin Yes, yeah, that's in- right. And I was thinking about it. I was like, he reminds me of that, you know, in in the sense that they look at a player and and how they let him play and and whatever. And as long as he keeps producing in spring training, you go, we got to find a spot on the bench for this guy. If he continues to produce, produce this way, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the team as the 26th man as the last guy on the bench. And so if that's the case, he can play some first base in certain instances and you can put Reese's DH and not feel like you have to move all those other pieces around.
0: Yeah, worth keeping an eye on. Like, as you noted, played first base, second base, third base, and some left field last year. He's versatile, 26 years old, makes his major league debut last season, only hits a buck 45, five homers, OPS of 505. Stats were not great during that debut season, but you talk about the way that he's been sort of deployed here early on, two homers, nine at bats, he's four for nine in the early going, getting a long look. Roger Clemens is in camp. I don't know. You might be onto something there. But a guy that a week ago I would have said, no, no shot. Now I'm right. saying, not likely, but on the radar.
1: Yeah. Not like maybe – cool. and, and like maybe – you know, I don't think he's beating out Josh Harrison. I don't think he's beating out Edmundo Sosa. I think those guys are on the bench and on the team. But does he beat out Dalton Guthrie? Yeah. I mean, to me, that's a possibility. And I know that that limits you a little bit with center field in case uh, Marsh can't play. But I think you find a way. Like if Marsh is, if there's a problem, you can make a roster move, right? And and do the thing that you need to do and get Guthrie back up here. I I just think Clemens has a shot of making this team. I really do. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a uh, one last thing today, or Why, Well, I have I have one last Phillies thing, and then I have one last thing. So Planned. the last, the one last Phillies thing that something that happened since, um, and this is quick, something that happened since we last spoke uh, on this pod is um, MLB put out MLB.com put out their uh, prospect rankings by team. And there's, I think they're still actually in the middle of doing it, but they released the Phillies one earlier in the week. Um, and so they put out their top 30 rankings and it's not, it's not much of a surprise, you know, Painter, Abel McGarry are your top three. Then Justin Crawford, who was their first round pick last year, uh, Carl Crawford's son, the outfielder is number four. A couple of names I just wanted to kind of throw you that, that jumped up ahead of some names that had been on this list before. Uh, Johan Rojas, um, who's now number six, center, talk about center field possibilities, right? A really good defensive player. They have him listed as estimated time of arrival into the major leagues this season, which I thought was interesting, which I thought was interesting. I, I wasn't really considering Rojas as a guy unless, you know, injuries and you needed a guy to co- you know, come up, whatever. But, like, he seems to be a guy that that, that really has jumped up this list Another guy that I wanted to mention was another guy we talked about very, very briefly um, a couple episodes ago, Carlos De La Cruz, uh, the 6'8 eight guy who was playing some first base, but he's also playing the outfield. Um, he's number nine, and he came out of nowhere, like yeah. nowhere, and is suddenly in their top ten prospects. So, just thought it was interesting, you know, that to see a couple of names like that come up and, and, and be guys that they think could play, one guy who they think could play in the major leagues this year, and another guy who's just skyrocketed into their their top 10 prospect list.
0: Yeah, it's funny you brought that up. I mean, looking at Rojas, I don't know that he can hit. I don't know that, that he would be able to hit for this team at a even a consistently mediocre level this year. Yeah. But if they get jammed up with center field and they just say, you know what, we have a deep lineup, we're strong, we need to, as your son has suggested in in previous episodes brandon marsh is actually really built for a corner outfield position they really wanted to go all in defensively and center right now i mean he could step in and do it and probably yep. play at a, an elite level so
1: you know i don't i don't know that we'll see him in 23 but things get a little weird out there it's very possible yeah i just thought it was interesting now again when you see that they say that you know x estimated time of arrival 2023 they could also be looking at it and saying that could be a September call up, right? I mean and that and that's part of twenty three, okay? So it's we're not saying touring the season. Um, but yeah, I just thought that those two names were the ones that stuck out to me uh on that on that prospect list of of being where they're at. So um just thought I'd throw that out there. Um as for one last thing, and I thought this was a pretty funny story, and I wanted to throw it your way, but I think it's something that's kind of interesting. Um so Minnesota was playing Tampa down in spring training. I don't know if you saw this, um, but the pitch com device that um, uh, the catcher from Minnesota, Tony Walters, was, was using was so loud that the Tampa Rays hitters could hear every pitch that was called. And that plate umpire said he heard every pitch through the system. And now Kenta Maeda was on the mound while this was happening, still for two scoreless innings, right? So so that's pretty good work by him. But nevertheless, pitch comp, you can hear it. That's a whole different kind of pitch tipping than banging trash cans or giving signs from second base, right? I mean, holy hell, I mean, that's got to be fixed, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too, too worried about that. But I'll tell you what, man, it's weird times in Major League Baseball, and I don't want to beat the hell out of this topic, but, like, you're seeing all this stuff happen down in spring training right now. And if I would have told you 10 years ago, all right. hey, listen, we're going to be talking about pitch comp, bigger bases, uh, no shift anymore, uh, pitch clocks, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to also limit you to two throws over to first base. You probably would have looked at me like I had five hints. <laughs> yes. I would have.
1: I it's, absolutely it's would not have. It's not your father's Major League Baseball anymore. And, and, and I'm, not certain, I'm not certain if it's a good thing or a bad thing yet. I really am not. I, I think we'll see as the real games progress and how they implement these rules. And, and is there any kind of, are they, do they get lenient right at some point on certain things? So I, I will, we'll wait and see one of the other things that I thought was interesting. I was watching another, this is how nuts I am. Yeah. You know, with the MLB TV, I was watching another game and, uh, there was an interview with uh, it was twins and there was an interview with Carlos Correa and he was talking about talking to the umpire about stepping forward. Onto the, um, onto the dirt as the pitch is being delivered. And, you know, the umpire was telling him as long as both feet are on the dirt before the pitch is delivered, they're going to let it go. He's going to let it go. Right. He said, but there are some umpires who will tell you, no, it has to be on the delivery. Yeah. So, like, baseball's got to figure that out, right? St- stupid things like that. Like, you know, the guy is... The infielders like to step forward. To get into position as the pitch is being delivered, we know this, okay? So if you're going to really be a jerk about it and call ball on your pitcher because the guy is in motion to stepping on the dirt before the ball's thrown, as opposed to you know as it's being thrown, I mean, seriously, are we going to are we going to nitpick that much over no. over something that stupid? It's not affecting the play in any capacity. I mean, I don't know.
0: I um I don't know if you saw yesterday uh Wandy Peralta's twenty second strikeout three yes. three pitches. <laughs> yes. And I, I will say like I, I just like we talked about earlier with Andrew Painter, you know, I like looking at mid March, that third week of March, the results matter. It's kinda how I'm looking at these rule changes too. Yeah. You know, if we start to see by the, the back end of this month, those last two weeks leading up to the start of the regular season, there's still all of these um you know all of these issues, all of these talking points. Every game, there's a new thing. Like that's when I'll start to say, like, oh wow, like this might have a a real impact, especially those first few weeks of the season.
1: My favorite line of all, and we'll wrap it with this, was after Wheeler's start, um, and they try to get him to talk about the new rules, and he was just standing there in a the dugout, just shaking his head and said, "I hate him. I hate <laughs> it. It's going to be bad for the game. I just hate it." And that's it. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't elaborate. But the look on his face and the sh- and he, just, the way he was shaking his head, it was like, man, th- th- not everybody's buying in to this at all, as far as the players are concerned. So it's really going to be, and it supposedly gives pitchers an advantage. And he, here's a here's one of the best pitchers in the game who can't stand them, right? So it's really kind of an interesting thing. So yeah, I think you're right. It's going to be fun to see how this uh, how this all plays out.
0: All right. Well, for all of you folks that say that we don't deliver, that we don't do. What we say we're going to do. We did it today. Oh, wait, I five minutes over. You've got the Flyers trade deadline. i got <laughs> a ton of stuff to do. Are we recording today? And Anthony said, yeah, let's do it. 10 o'clock. So we made it happen. Uh, we we are here. We did it. Uh, and we will talk to you on Monday uh, for the next episode of Crossed Up. for Anthony Sanfilippo. I'm Bob Wankel. We'll talk to you soon.